johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. For another issue episode of Sports Insider Radio, live from Las Vegas. We got some special guests today. We got Dave from Colorado. We got Don from Pennsylvania. We got Mike from the Raven Stadium. Mike, are you in the Raven Stadium or are you in the office? I haven't looked. Wait, Don? Don's in, in, he's in Pennsylvania? It's not he's that in far Pennsylvania. From us. He's not that far from us. No, not at all. He's enjoying this great East Coast weather. If he's on the air with us so far, you know, it's, but, it's, uh, this, this Instagram stuff is, it's a little, you know, uh, I look on there and I, and, and then I see that, you know, he's all over the place. It's like, I want to live the life. And, and I realize right now he's in Pennsylvania. I'm like, what is he doing there? But you know, that the guy is, has an incredible story. I'm very excited to hear it. I know a lot of our listeners, I've, I've been talking about it the last 24 hours. So. I can't wait to get into it. I mean, it's it's incredible. The people that we meet in this industry and the types of things that are in motion nowadays is just it's beyond me and it's it's not what I even like envisioned 5 years ago that this industry would turn. I thought it was more isolated toward independent betters where now the ability to what we're doing nowadays that we talk about on the show time and time again is just it's just next level stuff. So no, I'm not broadcasting from the Raven Stadium. I am actually in my seat here at the office in our podcast studio talking to you from a very cold Baltimore day. Not happy about it. Can't play golf when it's below freezing. But, you know, at some point I'm just going to have to suck it up and, and wear some gloves and get out there. Got it. And it's actually pretty warm today. I was going to ride today. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> You know me, I'm going to jump into the ice bath when I'm done. You know, I don't care. It's, I'm a polar bear. You know, let's talk about stats. I want to talk about while we're waiting for some guys to get on the air. We're, we're, we're early to the bird. Um, here, let's talk about underdogs. Right now in the NFL, underdogs are an uncharacteristically high 83, 61, and 6. 83, 61, and 6. So if you bet every underdog on the actual season, you were just banging it with no handicapping, no analysis, no trends. It's very square, as Dave would say, but 
the dogs are barking at the bank. You and I will happen to be watching that Philadelphia game, Commanders game on Monday. Um, and uh, what do you say about all these dogs barking at the bank? Usually it comes back to the mean or reverts to the mean at some point in the season. Dave is now on the Whoa. air. I just got the alert from the radio station. What's going on, Dave? How are you? Oh, real good. I'm good. I'm good. I was just talking to Mike about the uncharacteristically high percentage of dogs covering in the NFL, 83-61-6 and six on the season against the spread. And uh, if that usually reverts back to the mean, so I'll let you answer that since you're on the air now with us. Nope, no one solid believes that either. There's none of that. Exactly. There is no mean. But, yeah, no, it's crazy. What, what percent is that? 57.9%. Oh, no wonder I'm doing good. <laughs> that, it's, it's called. It's not called the reversion of the mean. It's called the reversion to the D train, the D Miller train. That's if it's on the dog side, you know. We're listen. We've been on the show previous years, and Dave week after week said Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns. Every time he put it out, every week. At that point, I was still fighting. It's like, you know, when, when somebody's trying to do good things for you and you're fighting it, and I'm like, oh, man, the listeners, I get that the clients, and the clients would then text me, man, Cleveland Browns again? Cle you know what? It's okay. And maybe I was just naive at that point to not explain it correctly, but going into this season, I feel like I've done them my due diligence, and I've, I understand what closing line value means. I understand the volume game. I understand all these important facets of how to be successful sports trader, not an independent manual handicapper that thinks that based on an, you know, just because the games and that teams are losing, why are you throwing money at it? Well, no, it's because of the value of the line. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's funny. I, I bring up and Dave, you probably don't know this because you do so many in-game pre-game so many different spots that you're firing at. So it's, it's harder for you to, to know your percentage of what you're producing in terms of to the clients, right? For telegram. And I'll, you probably, I've never even told you this off air. I just ran the numbers in the NFL this season. What do you think your record is for the releases that you've given out on telegram? Man, I, I couldn't even tell you. I don't want to make something up. I, 53. I 53, 34, and 1. You're up 14 net games, including the VIG, and you're hitting at a 60% rate. I hope that continues. That's pretty. That's pretty. I hope that continues. But again, and I'm not saying this to gloat. It's That's just a reality. And a lot of our clients, you know, we, we consistently fire out. We consistently educate. And I think, like, most of the guys finally get it. Like, most of our wagers so far in the NFL have already been placed days ago. Like, to a new client calling in, it's like talking to them in another language. What do you mean I have to play the games now? Well, that, that's how you beat the number. You're, we're doing the work for you. And they just can't fathom because they're either – they have – some of them have inabilities to place the wagers early – as they're walking, you know, to the corner store or they're, they're calling the guy on Sunday morning where he doesn't release overnight lines. Like, guys, it's 2022. At some point, 
You have to be able to be accountable to treat this as a business. And guys, it's almost 2023. You mean? <laughs> I said right now. Yeah, it is almost 2023. Yeah. In about a week, Dave, the apps are going to be live here in Maryland. I know John is super excited. He doesn't have to drive anywhere mm. now. And oh, I'm never driving there again. You will never catch me in the casino <laughs> again as long as I breathe oxygen. I absolutely you know, Dave, despise here, it. Here's here's my favorite little quick story. John goes, he wins a wager. And I talked to him the next day. He was really pumped about a specific game that he identified out of out of the plays that you had. This is not too long ago, probably like three months ago. And he comes back and I'm like, did you win? He goes, nope. I said, why? He goes, well, I sat there and I played Baccarat the whole time the game was going on and I lost in Baccarat. <laughs> and he could, I'm like, this is why he's like, so yeah, so him not no, the going best, to the casino, the best, Dave, is a plus. The, the best is when I drove to West Virginia to bet a game for a nice chunk of money like two years ago where they were like the first state to have legal wagering bordering Maryland. I drive 45 minutes to West Virginia. I get over there. I make the bet. And the whole time I'm driving home, you want to talk about Square Dave, the road, the ride was so torturous. I said, well, the bonus is if I lose, I don't have to drive back to cash the ticket. And I lost the game in overtime. You never seen a guy so happy to lose a game not to have to go back to the casino. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> that's, that's the day in the life of what a majority of our clients are, are calling us with the stories that they tell us, like the million Johns of the world that are doing it their way. And it's not as consistent and it's not as exciting as what you do, which is like to most traders, what you do is exciting, right, Dave? So like when you, when I talk to guys that are international, when I talk to guys in our mentorship, um, um, seminars and and our zooms that we do those guys are like they're excited they're pumped they're like man you're doing something that has an edge financially i could see it i'm a numbers guy and they get excited but to a guy that's not a trader and is just a standalone gambler and he goes what do you mean i have to play two percent i'm a hundred a game and i have a thousand dollars in my account in total and i don't know when i'll have more money to re-up but you can't do that because you don't have enough Gasolina. Well, I'm not betting less. Like it's not exciting for them to bet small amounts over high volume, but then they complain when they have to reload the account a hundred times. So it's like, when does the pain get great enough to where they change their habits and they start becoming sharp like you? I mean, this is, we love having you on the show. You have now, you started out as just a guest. Now you're basically a mainstay and a co-host, I mean, you bring a lot of information and education to the clients. I mean, I love doing this. This is probably one of my favorite things to do weekly. I also love to rag on John. That's probably one of my favorite things to do, period. And, you know, this is why we're here. So finally, it's a good time. Finally, I know you're having fun, right? He's finally, after seven years of doing this or whatever, getting it, getting it though. You broke him down. I, I've, I saw you broke him down. Hopefully, I don't yeah. have to pull the square card anymore. Usually, we pull the square card at least once a show, but hopefully, we could, uh, you know, allude to doing that. It's not as fun when uh, you're actually getting what's going on. 
Let me uh, also say for all the squares out there, the dogs in the NBA are winning 56% right now, Dave. So in the NBA, it's equally the same. It's uh, Dogs are 112 and 94. Um, 50, I'm sorry, 54.4%. Across all sports, currently right now, the dogs are just, again, winning uh, in terms of against the spread, meaning the square thing, the square card where you can point is if you're not, if you don't have the finances to utilize our sources, you don't have the finances to utilize our information, um, then you really want to be looking more to the dog side, especially in college basketball early in the season with these double-digit dogs. I mean, it's just uh, correct. It's just um, amazing. Right now, currently, in terms of college basketball, I'm trying to bring you guys the the score. Dogs are – oh, I apologize. Check this out, Dave. In Kyle, and I think Don just hopped on the air with us. But uh, before we welcome Don and check this out, Dave, dogs in college basketball right now are 206 and 205. I repeat, 206 and 205. A lot of parity in early in the, in the basketball season. While in the college football season, dogs are 367. 336, 52%. So you basically have dogs in college basketball, college football, dogs in the NFL, dogs in the NBA, and we're dead even in um, in college um, basketball early in the season. And now, Mike, you can welcome Big Don in from wherever Don's calling from and uh, tell everybody about Don. How you doing, Don? Good. Good, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Sorry, I'm, uh, yeah, sorry, I got on a bit late. Uh, and <laughs> look, anybody thinks that this stuff is easy, the, uh, the handicapping side of sports and, uh, in horse racing, uh, yeah, think again. <laughs> you can wind up with computer glitches trying to do your handicapping. You don't know if it's a decimal point error or whatever. But, I mean, we've been up since three o'clock in the morning trying to fix some, uh, some bugs. Think we think we got it. We think we got it worked out. We got about ten minutes to post for the first race that we're going to be playing today. Nice. So you're, Don, you're a big you're a big horse guy, obviously. But just just because there's a lot of new listeners to the show um, that haven't heard your story before, and I was very excited to to let them know. I've obviously known you for many years. We met actually in person when you came down here at Preakness, and you had the the lavish tent that is. Probably one of my favorite things to do during Preakness is to hang out in the tents, aside from all the races. But give us a little bit of the, the history of, of who you are and, and how you came to be in this uh, wonderful world that we live in. I started out uh, working on the backstretch of tracks, uh, you know, working with the horses. I grew up on a farm in Oregon uh, where we raised thoroughbred horses. Uh, then, uh, then slowly worked on to the uh, management side, uh, uh, working as a, uh, as a, as a racing official, patrol judge, uh, film analyst, uh, looking at film, uh, after the races. Uh, I, I was a jockey at one point, but, uh, I'm six foot one. I wasn't going to do that for very long. I weighed one Oh, weighed one Oh eight at six foot one. Yeah. That wasn't, uh, that was only, I did that for about three years. It's about all I could handle doing the weight loss program. And then I became a state regulator working as a state judge regu- regulating horse racing and gaming in uh, the states of uh, Oregon, Idaho, 
Wyoming, Texas. Uh, then I was managing racetracks. Uh, in particular, was ma- I managed uh, Muckleshoot Tribal, uh, Tribal Horse Racing Corporation, where they had Playfair Racecourse in, in Washington. I managed Philadelphia Park Racetrack, which is one of the bigger tracks that I managed. And that's when I noticed that there were guys in my director's room that were there every day. I'm like, what these guys? I mean, if they don't have jobs that are supporting what they're doing, how are they making money doing this? And then I noticed that the right. same guys were making money. I started monitoring them. I put a teller in the room, created a director's room for them, built them a place to go each day so that I could monitor what they were doing. And the same guys were beating – they were beating the races. They were beating the markets. And then over time, awesome. I found out that there were other guys that were doing this until I finally got into the end of it I'm in today, which is uh, you know, which is high-volume uh, play. And working with guys that um, yeah, yeah that are that are that are turning over you know, in the billions a year uh, you know worldwide, and it's all done through uh, mathematics and analytics. You know somebody's got to do the handicapping. No different than with uh, any sport. It doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, soccer. Soccer probably being the biggest uh, market out there. No, horse racing is the same thing. You know, and when we look a little bit at some of the sports uh, uh, betting stuff. Uh, very efficient markets out there, by the way. You guys, I heard you guys talking a little bit before about, uh, you, you, you call them the dogs or the underdogs, I guess you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that a lot of these markets are very, uh, they're very razor thin. You know, there aren't really a lot of, uh, super stupid people out there. People are pretty good at what they do when they're handicapping, uh, including the bookmakers. When they set a line, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not all that bad. Anyway, that, so that, it's, that's it's uh, that, that's so. A, let yeah, me ask you. Let me inter- let, let, let me interject on um, as uh, when I Google and I know all this ahead of time, obviously. But I want to for the listeners that have there's a lot of listeners that have seen your expose on TV. When you Google you, I just Googled you. The first thing that comes up on Wikipedia, and so I wanted you to address this Wikipedia piece. Don Johnson is a professional blackjack. Hustler. They didn't say gambler. They didn't say edge player. They said hustler. I'm looking right at it while I speak to you. And former corporate executive who beat Atlantic City casinos for over 15 million during a six month period in 2011. And then they begin to tell the rest of the story of the management of the horses. So let's address why you. I mean, that's a change from the last time I looked at that. They didn't call me a hustler before. I was a professional gambler, but evidently I've been elevated to a different status. I You're mean, I elevated think that is a to have a hustler. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, so if you can elaborate on the everybody, yeah, we, uh, we'll get back you, to the horse racing. I, but the, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think Paul Newman would be proud of me. <laughs> I'm proud of you. No, I mean, come so, on, it's not tell a me. hustle. I mean, you, you know what the biggest hustle of all is? The casino itself. When they send these marketing when you limit guys right. out to, to they Yeah, they, they, they send these marketing guys out to hustle players to come in to lose. And all they want to do is is separate them from their bank accounts. Come on. They're the hustle. I mean, not me. I just, I mean, we're, I, just, because I, just because I beat them at their own game, now I'm the hustler? No. <laughs> so I, in all good fun, I was going to ask you um, – how hard is it, Dave obviously has intimate knowledge of all the casino games as well as yourself, but how hard is it for someone today, not in 2011, but in 2022, 10 years later, a decade later, 
to do what you did over that six. Like if somebody wanted to replicate Donald Johnson today in the casinos with blackjack, is that replicatable or is that kind of like we're going to put that in the book, we're going to make the movie and we're going to move on? Yeah, I think you can make the movie at this point because, and, and put it in the book because they, they've all gotten so corporate. You're just not going to get those deals like you used to get. It's uh, yeah, it, it, it's very tough. It would be very tough. You're not going to get the discount deals, uh, you know, the, the discount on losses. You're not going to get as favorable of games as they used to uh, as they used to offer. And and they're going to keep a really tight leash on the comps. They've all tightened that up. It's really really tough now. I, if so, I do play, if I do play anymore, right. I'm just playing for comps. I just want, you know, I want their biggest penthouse or villa, whatever the heck it is, and I, I just want to have fun and uh, and uh, get some uh, free stuff. But the game's so going to be me, a lot tougher. So let me ask you. I'm reading this here. It says you won six million during a 12-hour marathon at the Tropicana, and four million in Caesars within just one day. So. How was that? What were you just, uh, were you just running on caffeine or are you superhuman? Did you just not, how do you not fade with exhaustion? Uh, well, that wasn't even a marathon. 12 hours is nothing. Uh, the longest I played was 72 hours with Bruce Willis at the, uh, at the Borgata in Atlantic City. That was a marathon. I had to go, I had to go back and catch some sleep at the beach house and then go back again. Um, Can I ask and, you a question? Uh, sure. So out of that fifteen million, uh, with all the with all of the uh, well, I guess rules or whatever the deal was, what was your overall expected value before you started for the play? Well, your EV is relative to how long are they going to let you play? You're going to play till they so, run out of chips. If you got an edge, I mean, why would you stop? Right? Yeah. You stop when they so stop for- you. So for your play, did you ever like calculate what the uh, what the approximate expected value was for how much you played? Uh, given the game that given the game I was playing at the Trop, I think the I think the uh, I think the edge was somewhere around sixteen seventeen percent, which is pretty high yeah. for that Oof, game, right. that specific game. And then it was hard to track your overall look, look, volume. They, they were they, they were letting guys come in off the street and fire away a hundred thousand a hand. I mean, you could do some damage on that kind of game. And I'm sure you were too busy to track your your overall volume, and, and you probably couldn't couldn't even care. You didn't even care. You're getting such a big edge. You just yeah, I don't care about the always... volume. I care about I care about the edge relative to the size of the bet they're going to let me get down. Uh, in, right. in action and relative to what is my P and L at the end of a session? That's it. And I'm not the only guy wondered. that whacked them for. I'm not the only guy that whacked them for five million or more. I mean, Phil Ivey whacked them for five million or more. Um, uh, so did uh, Ron Meyer from MGM. There are a few guys that whacked them that hit them pretty good. I always wondered if your expected value was like a couple million and you just ran like God, or if it was really like seven, eight, nine. You know, and 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 you. It was just it played itself out. I always wondered that through the years when I. Heard that story. Well, I I, w- I would say if I had to if I had to make a uh, an educated estimation at it, uh, yeah, I mean certainly I overperformed that night. Yeah, hundred percent right. I overperformed. I'm not not I'm not kidding myself with it. And uh, but you know what? Sometimes it pays off to be lucky as well. You can have an yeah. edge and be lucky. That's great. Especially during that night. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> 
So, so, and so you're, so for all the listeners out there, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, and now obviously there's casinos in many more states than there were back then a decade ago, you still maintain they're so sharp and so corporate that it's really, I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible, but is it impossible? That's what I, I just want to put the nail in that coffin. Is it impossible? Or are we going to hear stories like this 10 years about t- in 2022, some guy played for 12 hours or 72 hours and whacked them for 50 million? Or like you said, it's so corporate that ship to sail just to get clarification it, I on think that. It, I, and this is just me, my opinion. I think it's so corporate that that ship did sail. They're just not going to let that happen again. They just won't. Um, and, and rightfully so. If I owned the casino, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it happen again. I would have stopped it. So I wouldn't let it go on as long as it did. For your individual situation, did you just have one host who kind of made all these decisions and, and that's how you got away with it? It wasn't it's like they didn't have to answer to anybody and they just kind of gave you that deal on their own? No, that was a, that was a corporate decision that went all the way up to the top. Wow, in fact, okay. the CEO okay. lost his job. Um, I, I'm not going to say right. he lost his job over over what I did to the casino, but uh, the guy was fired. I mean, that's a fact uh, after the fact. Uh-huh. Okay. They made a corporate well, decision to take huge bets and to give out uh, very rich deals. They were trying to buy the business to get uh, big players in. And then they ran into a couple of speed bumps. I happened to be one of them. Speed bumps. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, they had to so, tap the brakes a little. <laughs> I found history repeats itself, though, in, the, in in this business. I mean, even though you say no one will get that deal, there could just be some. Well, and, some... and you could be right. You could be right. They, they, you know, they, you know, uh, times get tough again. Recession hits or something. You know, the you know the markets uh, crash or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they might do it again. You're right. And if history does repeat itself and they start offering deals, then, uh, hey, I might go back. But right now, they're Are not you offering banned? anything. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't say I'm banned. I'm not barred from anywhere. I'm just, uh, they just don't want me to play. There's a few places right. that will still let, me, still let me play, but they're not games that are really worth playing. Uh, it, it would be right. more like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to play just long enough to, uh, you know, for room, food, and beverage. And get a decent right. penthouse because they they want me on property for publicity or something, <laughs> or some places pay me to go in. Just say, hey, we we don't want you playing at all. We're going to give you 10k. Just come in and uh, take pictures with uh, our other uh, clients and uh, don't play, and we'll pay for everything. That's a, so let me ask you this: I'm reading this on the internet, and again, I, I'm no expert at any of these table games by any stretch of the imagination. I just want to know if things have changed. Yeah, we, in the we know, we know. It says the blackjack rules <laughs> six decks with a house edge of point two six three percent. Has that changed in the decade, or is that the same uh, house edge? It's it's uh, yeah, it should be. If you get the right rules, it's point two three five point two point two five three percent. And at a quarter okay, percent, and they have to, it doesn't okay. take a lot. It, like if they're giving you a big discount, twenty twenty five percent on the back end of tragedy strikes. I mean, come on, you've overcome that house edge. All right. you got to do is just it's play a, perfect strategy. You're it's you, a dime, you will right. win. You you will win long term if you just play straight through, and you could just flat that at that point. You will win fifty percent of your discount 
over time. So, ah. Don, so Don, how much so how there, much worse? Uh, you, you go ahead and finish your point. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was saying, what? How much worse is the percentage with these automatic shufflers? Don't play them. Yeah, that's what I figured. Don't play them. I mean, there, there are some that can be beat, and I really can't tell you uh, uh, openly of how they can be beat. Yeah, for sure. There are some guys out there. There are some guys out there playing them right now. They they can be beat. I'll tell you that they can be. They're because they're not perfect. The auto shufflers, they're not. You're talking about the continuous shufflers, but they just keep putting the cards correct in the discard. Yeah, correct. Yeah, they're be- they are beatable, but I can't tell you how. So, Mike, Mike, now you know why you always leave with no money. <laughs> it's, 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 a pain, it's a painful experience. It's like the biggest rush. I don't even get that type of rush because obviously the way that we, we sports trade, there's no rush involved. It's just a math game. It's long term, but with with blackjack, I, I get up and down, I get animated. It's exciting, but um, you know, I'm, uh, so, so you, Don, you know I'm an what, avid. Yeah, but what you just said that you don't get uh, excited when you're doing the sports betting stuff that night, that six million dollar night, I never had an emotional thought or or inkling, not one. Oh wow, not, not one time. To me, it was just I'm at the office. It's just business. And then at some point, well, so uh, I'm, after three t- after three times they filled the uh, the chip tray with Easter eggs, which are the twenty five thousand dollars chips. At some point, they just said, "Yeah, we're out. We're done." Uh, and then later, I found out the reason they couldn't fill it again is because by law, the casino has to have enough cash in the cage to cover all the chips that are on the floor. They didn't have any cash left in the cage that would cover more <laughs> chips put on that table. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Oh, man. You know, John, it's, I guess I'm just not big enough to, because I've never actually played with Easter. They never had to close the floor for you? Yeah, so they never closed the floor for me, nor do I even know what an Easter egg chip is. I'm just happy when I have those $1,000 chips. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a big boss for, for the night. But no, no but it's Don, a, in, all, in all seriousness, Don, in, his all, in all seriousness, he loves blackjack, so he'll text me, and I'll I'll say, how you doing? And I'm up, you know, 10 dimes. And then, like, I'll text him 30 minutes later, how you doing? I'm down four dimes. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Well, goes, yeah, goes, what do you mean? I, I felt good on the shoe. I had to press. I had to press. Yeah, if you're betting $1,000 chips, you know, it goes quick, back and forth. All you got to do is hit your splits and doubles. Hit those, and they can't beat you. If you don't hit those, they will beat you. It's that simple. Don, I thought pre-tipping was the answer. If I pre-tip the dealer, I can't lose. It doesn't work that <laughs> oh way. Oh my God! Don't yeah, don't don't yeah, don't don't even get into that. That's like the dealer cannot change the cards for you. They can't. You mean when you yell when you when I watched the guy throw a chair and he started yelling at the dealer and security had to come escort him out because the dealer kept busting him out. It was the dealer. The dealer, and I'm thinking this guy needs to be in a straitjacket, blaming this lady trying to make. The, a how about the how about the cards and the game? Is yeah, people ask me, they go, Did the, "Is it rigged?" I go, "Of course it's rigged against you. You, you don't think they offer these games with with a player edge? <laughs> of course not." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, uh, I'm God. an avid fan. Don, I'm an avid fan of your podcast, and um, you actually were talking about one of my favorite DJs 
uh, one of the previous podcasts, and you were telling him how you gave him a free roll, and he happened to also be the DJ for a song at the event that night. I think you know who I'm talking about, Mr. Dead Mouse. <laughs> So maybe I could I could be a maybe I'm a famous DJ. You could take me out for a free roll and show me how <laughs> how to win in blackjack. Hey, let, let, let me make this clear because people people reach out to me all the time and they go, "Oh, you and Dead Mouse are on the outs." You guys, I go, "No, look, I love Joel. He's a great guy. He really is. His girlfriend was great. Uh, she was Miss Louisiana or something." Uh, and uh, but but no, I mean I, I love the guy. He's a great guy. He's a he's a he's a cool Canadian. Uh, you know his music is uh, you know you you need to like that type of music. I've been to a bunch of his uh, concerts and sessions. But uh, as a person, yeah, no, he's a good guy. And and yeah, I I felt bad for him because I thought he thought that I stiffed him, <laughs> which I didn't. I didn't stiff him. I never agreed to that. Right. You know what? He should have he should have played "Living on a Prayer" by Bon Jovi for free. <laughs> In fact, I think the publicity helped his career. <laughs> Right. It, it always does. It always does. But, That's an expensive but, song he played, played. He played two sessions sure. with me and made a, he, he went, he wound up getting paid. He wound up making over 400,000 for playing that song unbeknown to me. I didn't know those guys paid him. And then, and then I let him play with me on a free roll at the Borgata. So he made double that. And afterwards, uh, you know, I got a call from Matt Bon Jovi from uh, John's brother. Matty and I are, are, are friends. And John's a friend too, uh, uh, you know, by default because I'm good friends with uh, with Matt. And uh, Matty goes, "What's up with this press?" And I'm like, it, "It's not what you think it is." I told Matt, and I go, "Well, you know, for four hundred thousand, John will come sing the song in person." <laughs> there we have you the real McCoy. Don't, we don't need don't, we don't need an imposter. You don't need yeah. You don't need <laughs> Death House to play it. <laughs> Right, he's just standing there, just turning some dials. Versus, we get some actual, so, you know, some real voices in the mix. Let me, right. let me. I want to ask back to the gambling for a second. I want to ask you and Dave because you both have table gaming. You know, I've, I'm one dimensional with the sports. Is the whales that provide the most? I would say liquidity. We'll talk about horses in a second, but to the casino, like the big whales that they fly in, and they have the villas and the pan Is it majority? Blackjack is their game, or is it all over the place? Is it is it craps? It's all is over it the place. Is it? It's all over the place. I mean, you'll you'll it, it's mostly table games. Um, I would say maybe the bulk of it is probably some of the Asian games like baccarat. Mm-hmm. Uh, blackjack, uh, you know, once upon a time that was the big game where all the whales were flown in, and it was also bit. glamorized in media and the movies and books. More so than I think any right. other table game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I would say, that's, yeah. yeah, I would, yeah, that that's probably that that that's probably definitely true. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I, look, I right. played blackjack. I didn't really play. Um, I didn't play any of the other games. Not really. And uh, look, they used to send the private jets for me all the time. It's interesting, too, for Blackjack that they do that because even if somebody just kind of knows the game, I mean, are they really at that big of an EV loss? Because so close to 100%. Well, you obviously haven't watched my documentary because um, <laughs> the uh, 
what's his name from, uh, well, uh, Steve Wynn himself uh, and uh, uh, head of the MGM at the time. It wasn't Corey, and he was gone at that point, but uh, uh, or he had passed on at that point. But uh, Jim Murren had said, yeah, they they allocate a certain percentage of what their expected value is of a player. So if a player's uh-huh. worth, uh, you know, player's worth, you come in with a million-dollar bankroll, okay, what is that player worth to you? Uh, he could beat you in a trip, or likely he's probably going to lose the million. So they're going to take about a third of that, so 300000 They're going to allocate 300000 towards comps. All right. Um, 25000 could be uh, private airfare, so they send one of their jets to pick you up. Maybe they're going to give even you 50000 to go to a club like they used to for me. Even if they're just, Even if they're just playing blackjack the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I could see how you could angle shoot that. I mean, yeah, because most people at least have half a brain in blackjack, don't they, or are they that bad? Well, let me, let me put it this way. I mean, look, I mean, I can talk about this now because, I mean, well, maybe I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Yeah, if you have to think about it, don't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) It's just like, okay, let's just say you're out one night, the casino's comping, I don't know, whatever, in a club, $25,000, $50,000. They're not paying $25,000, $50,000 to the club owner. The club owner is paying them rent. They're getting some kind right. of a discounted rate on that comp, right? So maybe, maybe yeah. uh, let's just say it's uh, fifty thousand. Maybe they're paying, uh, you know, w- what is the value of the actual product? The product is probably uh, fifty thousand. The product's worth probably, uh, you know, three thousand. They mark it up like seventeen times. <laughs> These bottles in the club. So of that seventeen times, so. The, the casino side is going to make them whole for that, and then maybe I pay for part of it with tips and stuff. So I used, I used to pay in, and I'll just say this: I used to pay in chips. You can't do it anymore because of me, uh, because they couldn't track the chips. So they changed the rules on that. You can no longer settle a bar tab or a club night out with casino chips in Las Vegas. You have to pay cash or credit card. And and a lot of this has to do with a lot of different things because the door guys were pocketing chips. It did just got to be problematic. But evidently, they didn't have enough cameras to catch everybody that might have been pilfering or pocketing chips. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, me yeah. having said that, I'm probably going to get ten phone calls after today's uh, uh, broadcast. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you have those five dollar chips. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm checking so my pockets ask, right me, now. There's nothing. There's nothing. Mike, there's there's nothing you, there. Mike, you got to reach into that fanny pack, bro. <laughs> Get that tip money. Exactly. Out. <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, that that Lululemon fanny pack is a big stay for travel. I'm very confident <laughs> with it. So let let me let me ask you uh, this because I want to ask you a geriatric. Uh, so this has been my born and bred in Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> We're broadcasting five, literally five minutes from Pimlico Racetrack. Uh, grew up going to the racetrack. You know, the first thing everybody does in Maryland, 
that lives in Baltimore County, Maryland. The second they have a skateboard, they cut out of school early, they take their $2, they go bet their first race. I mean, it's the story of every living single person in this. I mean, it's gambling on horses is in our blood just by nature of our location. And then obviously Baltimore County has the pride of the Preakness and every Baltimore city, excuse me. And every year they threaten to leave. And every year there's a whole hoo ha ha, you know, the whole deal done. Whoa, the question whoa, I have for you now, whoa, whoa, it's, it's no, locked I, in now. No, yeah. It's not. No, leaving I know. Cause uh, the city has done that bond issue. They're putting like 450 million into Pimlico. Right. But the question that I have for you is I've always said this since I'm 12 years old, riding my skateboard to Pimlico, which is, why is it such a geriatric sport on the non-professional level? How do you get young people involved? Uh, you know, want, because you don't see it. When, if I go there, it's just like a nursing home. Well, I, and I'm not I, you saying there's what, anything you, wrong with that. Look, you, 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 look you, you've, been to, you've been to the Preakness with me, and I beg to differ with you. I think Belinda Stronick from the Stronick Group has done a fabulous job getting the younger population involved by doing the uh, the, the music festival in the infield. I no no My I God, agree that thing, on the that thing draws that I thing agree. draws that thing draws the, you know 50 60 70,000 people out there for that and uh, predominantly a younger population. I agree on the preakness what I meant is like today if I go when I, if we hang up the when we get off the radio if I just decide to bop on over and bet a horse I'm talking about 364 days of not that one day. Me personally, I have a Twin Spires app on my phone. I'm five minutes from Pimlico, oh, and I whoa, bet the whoa, horses whoa, on Twin Spires. Whoa, 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 bro, bro, bro. Please get rid of that and sign up for First Bet. I will. For Express Bet, please. Do not do And look, I'll openly say this. Do not give Churchill anything. <laughs> okay, but, I'm but, probably but, but you, you, I'm probably I guess I'm by the industry for saying that, but, uh, no, it's no, fine. Sign, but up for, that, sign, that, sign up for an express bet account that do, do not have a twin spires account. Fair enough. My I'll, question to you is that I will, that give, I, will give, that, I will give you, I will give you personally some tips to bet on your express bet account. <laughs> I'm in, I'm all in. That's all I needed but, but, here. But anyway, yeah, to, to answer your question. Yes. Yes, my industry has a lot of work to do in trying to cross over to get, and I think they can do it through sports betting. And I think the Stronic Group and Express Bet is doing it. First Bet is doing it, and getting sports wagering, which is a younger group of people, to cross over and actually, you know, when there, there's not sports, go, but there is horse racing going on all the time. You know, when when sports aren't going on here in the U.S., we have U.K. racing, we have Australian racing. And we have U.S. racing. Right. We should be on the and, same platform. If you look at DraftKings and FanDuel, I mean, look at the online stuff that they have on TV now. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, FanDuel's right there in the background offering sports on the horse racing channels and vice versa. It should be the other way. I'm in total agreement. And I will tell you that uh, from the four-month shutdown of American sports during the pandemic, it was March 11th, 2020 to July 26th. 2020, all of a sudden, all of our sports betting clientele had an interest in in, in international soccer and horse racing because the horses kept going. And I, I had TVG on every single day in my house and in my office, and all of a sudden, I was a horse better now because there was no right. sports. I mean, I think. Right. I mean, come on, Gulfstream Park was doing 31 million and more a day in volume on a normal card. I mean, come on. 
It so, was great. So what? Is it just how, how harder we, because it's how, not? How, how how do we retain those customers? Is really the question. And right. um, yeah, I mean, look, I I would welcome any think tank, you guys included. I mean, please, let's get together and talk about it. Uh, well, I mean, hey, Dave uh, is a perfect example. Dave moves, you know, Dave moves hundreds of millions of dollars on sports. And I just don't know, like, I'm, Dave, I'm asking you, like, is there a lot of interest in your circle in horses? Or is it kind of like we do sports and that's what we do? Well, I mean, there is in my apartment where I live here in Colorado. They love they love horse racing. There's even the TVG channel up in the gym um but no i mean not not in my group personally yeah hey, I don't, I don't um, know. guys uh how about on the I, I mean this is the first time i'm doing your radio show i mean how about i come on the radio show uh a couple times a month and uh and look i'll give you some futures that's on uh on horses that we like that we that we yeah, personally that's awesome professionally love it yeah, I love it. Yeah. I see no, 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 no. We're not. We're not accepting it that easy. He's got to come to Baltimore. We have to yeah, go right. to the horseshoe, and we have to entertain the tables. If that is, if he's going to come here, oh, he wants trying to get that free roll out of you, Don. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but the horseshoe is owned by Caesars, and Caesars won't let me play. There you go. All right, well, we go to I MGM. Do, we go to uh, what I could do. So what let, I could do is get, I could give you some money before we walk in, and I could just sit close by and coach you. Sounds fantastic. There we go. Oh, that's a good deal. Are you interested, uh, um, Don? Uh, before and we'll talk about sports betting in a second. But I we 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 had a conversation off air yesterday, and the similarities were the same. Basically. You lose accounts when you win across all facets. You lose accounts when you win in sports. You lose accounts when you win in horses. If you're beating the number, if you're getting the best of the number. The difference that I've always wondered about horse racing versus sports betting, and, and again, I know we only have 10 minutes left on the show. Time flies when we're having fun. Is If I bet a game at minus two and it closes at minus four, I got minus two on my ticket. I got the best of the number. But you're in your world – it doesn't matter. Am I? And in, correct me if I'm wrong. For the listeners, I have to. I get paid on the closing number, not when I bet it. What the odds were at that time? Correct. Correct. It depends on whether or not you're betting fixed odds horses, you know, with a bookie, or you're betting the parimutuel pool. If you're betting the parimutuel pool, you get the closing price, whatever the whatever the pool ends at. So there's a little bit more, well, a lot more handicapping has to be applied to, you have to handicap not only the probability of a horse, you know, horses winning a race, finishing one, two, three, whatever. And you have to, you have to handicap the projected closing price of that horse. So it's a, it's a two part. You're going to bet into it, but when is, when is that horse when is your projected value of the closing price of that horse going to be a no bet? Because he, if he goes off to one to nine, you're probably not going to bet him. <laughs> he's one to nine. He's not worth. He's not worth the value anymore. You want him at two to one. So you want to bet him at fixed odds at two to one before he goes to one to nine. Got it. And that, that yeah, yeah, but that's always the struggle. 
with everything. I mean, look, if I want to bet against a uh, against a bookie uh, offering odds on a on a basketball game, on a football game, you want to give me uh, <laughs> Monday Night Football. You want to give me the Eagles uh, uh, minus eleven. Great, <laughs> we were all over that. We didn't even need the minus eleven. Right. So, it, but it, it, with, with a paramutual pool, it's different because you have to project. You have to project two different things. You have to handicap the probability of the horse actually winning, and then you have to project final odds. What's it going to? What's starting price going to be? And yeah. we run up. We run up against this all over the world. Um, yeah, that so back tough. to your question. So what what is your question? It's difficult is well, the answer. Well, no, the question is it's hard to get good closing. It's hard to beat the – well, if you're betting at Pimlico and it's it's not fixed odds, it's paramutual betting, you're at the mercy of the closing number. So obviously it's just harder to get the best closing value because you're dealing with sharps coming in late like yourself and moving these odds and then you're losing accounts with the fixed odd bookmakers in two days like you said and then you're back at the paramutual so the value seems to be like is much am i correct to say it's much harder to win at the racetrack um is it i mean you tell me i think it's easier to win at the racetrack because if you're good at projecting final odds, because you know the you you know the favorites, you know the you know the odds are going to crash towards the favorites in the end anyway. So you have to right. project that. Correct. If you're a sharp handicapper and a sharp better, uh, if you're just a recreational player, you're not even concerned with that. You're there to be entertained. You show up with five hundred bucks. Uh, you know, if you win a five hundred or you lose the five hundred, you're you're not really concerned with that. You're there to be entertained. Uh, so you're not really trying to project uh, closing odds. But if you're there as a sharp player, you will be projecting that closing odds. You know that horse is going to close at uh, at uh, lower odds. So sports betting, uh, let's just say you're betting soccer or football or NFL or baseball. Baseball, my God, it's razor thin, the edges there. Can, can you, any of you guys tell me that you can uh, uh, predict or project uh, uh, what 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 the odds? Uh, not what you not what you get fixed odds at if you bet early. But if you bet early, you know you're not going to get a lot of money down. So how are you going to make any money? You're not going right. to be a really good professional player if you try to bet. Uh, you know the day before a game goes off, before there's any injury reports, before the yeah you know before before the bookmaker. How much are you going to get down? Five thousand, so a thousand. Can I can I, can I ask you a question about that? So, and, and you don't have to say it if you don't want to. So, for your for it sounds like for your model, you have to kind of bet. Well, you basically said right around post, but you but I would just I would just imagine you're betting pretty much everything as close to post as possible with everything um, you just said. No, that's not necessarily true. No, I mean, oh, okay, we we. And I don't want to let too much information out there, but uh, yeah, no, we trickle in, we test the market, and then you're we trying see to other. You're almost trying to kill, and then you're almost trying to, especially you're trying to also like, kind of like, kill, 
Well, yeah, kill the, I guess, kill the price for other people that could come in on the same horse. It sounds like there would be a lot of strategy without, without the fixed price. I mean, I can, I'm just visualizing it all right now. It sounds like yeah, especially I mean, we, other people yeah, we, are in, yeah. We, 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 yeah, we might trickle in early at 10 minutes to post just to see how the market reacts to us. And, uh, right. that might not even be our final position that we come in with right. later. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of levels of thinking there, or a lot of strategy there. Yeah, interesting. Now, now, and then also, now, John, John is that a model, also, though? Yeah. Yeah, just some kind we of model know we that figured out. Yeah, we also know there are other pros out there that are watching this, too. So maybe we want to, you know, tip our toe in a little bit to see how they react to us in a particular uh, market. Yeah, and then once yeah, we right. see which way they react, then uh, maybe we react the opposite direction. And then you, I tell you, <laughs> you fine tune this model. Just is your is your model like constantly changing, or is it ninety nine point eight percent where it needs to be? Well, it's always changing. Because the market yeah, is always yeah, yeah. changing. Not much. We so. change with the market. So whatever the market does, yeah. we're changing. Yeah, that's a good answer. And yeah, uh, yeah. For, for instance, in paramutual pools, we're changing every 10 seconds. Every update, we're changing. Right. And I, I think, like I said, the, 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 the average Joe who just says, ah, I live in Philadelphia or King of Prussia or Bucks County, and I just want to go to the Eagles game and bet. I think the lure of sports betting, even though we have like two minutes left, is that it requires you, you start at as a fan when you're young watching those traditional sports. And I think the, the work is transitioning the person over to maybe not having that uh, interest in horse racing because they weren't exposed. And we do live in a unique place, Baltimore, Maryland, where just everyone around here just knows about horse racing and doesn't even think twice about making a horse bet because of location, like real estate, location, location, location. But if you're in California and you're not right near the main racetracks and you're in the desert, what are you thinking about horse racing for from a betting point of view? You might still want to bet on the Rams. You know what I mean? So I think it is a, there's got to be a think tank, like you said, how you bring that money into the market from a fanfare point of view, because you can't really use the Baltimore, Maryland uh, analysis. It's not. It's it's too skewed towards being a horse better. I, I think. Yeah, I, could, he, uh, I yeah, think. Uh, it, and I I would I would add to that. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. That uh, horse racing has uh, it has a task ahead of it to uh, try and figure out how how are they going to attract and keep these customers that they got during the pandemic. I think if Don made a, I think if Don made a Spencer video and just went over like super basic stuff, I, I think it would build interest to horse racing, and I think it would get a lot of views. Because right. people are always curious about the betting, and then just don't give your, you, you know, your top, your secrets. But if you just said basic stuff in the field, betting would be a nice video. Well, believe it or not, guys, we had such a good time. It was a pleasure having everybody on. We are at the end of the show. We'll pick this up next week or the next week after, but we'll be here every Wednesday. Sports Insider Radio. We're going to now add it. Horse Insider Radio. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I love it, guys. I love it. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.